Hello, listeners. Today, I'm pleased to share with you the first in a new limited run. NFT All-Stars is an original, eye-opening animated series from Coindesk, mixing some of the most important names in the emerging world of tokenized ownership with top talent whose growing involvement will help define it in the years to come. You are listening to the podcast version, where we'll share extended cuts of our main interviews just for you. On today's inaugural episode, comedian and actor Pete Holmes discusses NFTs and the art of comedy with hosts Marguerite de Corcel, also known as Coin Artist, and Jason R. Bailey, also known as Art Gnome. This episode of NFT All-Stars is sponsored by TurboTax Live and Metapurse.fund. Pete Holmes is doing NFTs now. That's pretty exciting. I've been in the space like four years, and four years ago, like the idea that well-known celebrities would start to be coming into this space was sort of anathema to me, you know, and super excited to hear how you kind of came into NFTs and learn a little bit more about non-fungible joking, what that's about. I think, Marguerite, you might agree that we could use some more humor in the NFT space. Are you sure? I don't know. I think the NFT space is full of humor. (laughs) Too much humor, maybe? So much humor. (laughs) But I'm excited for the professional humor twist. Yeah, I don't know how much we can help you. The consensus with every comedian that did the non-fungible joking show was that we didn't know what the hell was going on. Although the conceit of it is very, I don't want to be an old weird guy saying punk rock, but I'm going to be an old weird guy saying punk rock. I like the idea of having ownership because being in show business, I don't just mean for me, but the crew and everybody involved in the non-fungible joking show became an owner of the NFT. And that creates a different atmosphere there. It's not just guns for hire. Everybody's sort of like on the same page and has the same mission as like, let's make something good. Let's let people know about it. So it's a different game. Being in show business, I'm used to you know, nothing wrong with studios and networks. Of course, I have to say that, <laughs> but there's <laughs> nothing wrong with studios and networks. But traditionally, it's not been like a participatory endeavor. It's like you get a fee, you show up, and you basically are part of the meal. You know, you get served on the table and you're consumed and you're happy for the opportunity to be consumed. But anything that's sort of, and this might sound like a joke, but Tyler Perry eyes is it, meaning Tyler Perry flipped all that and started buying studios and producing his own stuff. NFT seems more like a reasonable way for artists and other people to get involved in the whole process instead of just being the camera person or just being the lighting person or just being the comedian. So that was interesting to me, although I'm still not entirely sure. Like this is a non-fungible show. I guess every other show I was doing was fungible and has already been funged. That's all I know. (laughs) What was your entry point into the NFT space? What was your first exposure? I mean, like a lot of people, I just heard people were buying Pharrell's first tweet or something. And I did find it sort of philosophically interesting, meaning all ownership is a conceit, you know, sort of like time or money. These are all just sort of agreed upon illusions, or I don't want to call them delusions, but they're not really real. So extending that into a digital space wasn't as absurd as it might be for maybe my mom, who really has absolutely not only no understanding, but no respect for what's going on. I thought it was a creative approach to ownership and an interesting and creative, again, creative, creative, creative twist on how can we play with the energy of ownership and how can we revitalize it a little bit. 
So that seemed interesting to me. Even though obviously the comedy angle is like, I don't get it. What the hell is going on? I don't understand the stock market. I don't understand legal tender. Like, it's nothing new for things to not be understood by me. So if somebody wants to buy a tweet or buy this performance, although I will say this performance being something that you could buy and then air and then profit off of the airing, that makes it a little bit more clear. I don't know what the guy who owns Pharrell's first tweet is going to do if he's going to have showings or let me touch it. <laughs> you know, that's less clear to me. How long would you say the clips are that are being recorded like for your pieces? Are you thinking of full-fledged shows that are never before seen or shorter clips, like one joke? Boy, that would be fun. One joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every once in a while, I'll record a podcast and it just goes sideways. And I'm just like, I have a podcast called You Made It Weird. It's very rare that I just won't gel with the guest or they seem to be in the wrong mood or their publicist made them do it or something. And it just goes goofy and it goes bad. This has only happened maybe once or twice. And I'm like, if it goes poor and I decide not to release it, you know what I like about the idea of selling it as an NFT is it takes something that would have been a waste that does have some value. Like, would you like to watch a train wreck? Would you like to listen to what I think is shitty, like something that's not good, but in the way that, and I love the movie Showgirls, but Showgirls is not good. Would you like to enjoy this podcast and listen to me watch my energy dip and watch them sour? And at the end, nobody likes anybody. So when I was introduced to NFTs, that's one of the first thoughts I had was I was like, well, what don't I want to release, but I'd be willing to commoditize because there's sort of like a reclaiming of the, not the power, but you're sort of victimized by something going poorly. And then you're like, well, let's celebrate it and say, would you like to buy a piece of shit? Because I actually think if you knew it was a piece of shit going in, you would enjoy it. And it would be novel because you'd go, it's secret. Like Pete didn't want to release this, but I own it and I can release it. Would you like to hear this horrible thing? I like, again, the creativity of that. But to answer your question, my segment was like, I think everybody's segment that I watched was about 15 minutes. So I would imagine that that might get edited down to like 12 or so. But it was me and Moses Storm, who's another very funny comedian, and he was hosting the night. And it was in conversation, which we thought made it even more novel. We're sort of talking with the crowd. We're going over bits that either we haven't done before because of the pandemic or just like don't always work. And there was like a real breaking down of the fourth wall to our segment, meaning like, let's talk about this joke. In my case, I did a joke that's usually too dirty, that people don't want to see this youth pastor face talking about this topic. But in that context, and again, I think under the heightened stakes of this is an NFT, this is a property, made it more energized, more funny, and I hope more interesting for the eclectic billionaire that buys it. <laughs> I, I totally want to buy your first non-fungible cringy podcast. So put me first in line for that one. It sounds like even though it's sort of an early experiment, you know, this has freed you up a little bit, maybe creatively and from the business side. How do you think about this in terms of for your followers or your fans? You know, how does this experience change for them? And have you gotten feedback that people think you're crazy and not understand it? Or are there people that are like totally get it? What's that feel like? Well, what's interesting about Bitcoin is it gave this like, it's not just legitimacy, it just gave mystery to things that we don't understand. You know what I'm saying? 
like everybody was making fun of Bitcoin. And then I think that was sort of a necessary step that might have even led to this sort of stuff. So people aren't as flagrant and blatant in like mocking this sort of thing. And in terms of the fans, my hope is this might sound too lofty or maybe false, but it's like the reason why podcasts are, I think, a phenomenon is because entertainment is relational. Like I'm watching Ted Lasso right now, right? Everybody's watching Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso shows up in your house on Friday. He's a guest in your home. That show becomes a guest in your home. And that is a relationship. It's parasocial. Ted Lasso doesn't know he has a relationship with you. Podcasters don't know they have a relationship with you. But it's sort of like a synthetic, and that doesn't mean bad. It's an artificial, and that doesn't mean bad, relationship. It gives you some of the nutrition of a real-life human relationship. So that's why I think podcasts are so popular, meaning they stream right into your ears. That's very intimate. Like, it's just you and your friends. And they show up on a regular basis. Whereas stand-ups before podcasts used to just, like, might have a special every couple of years or might have a guest appearance on some TV show or might have a new show. It's erratic. What's that? That's a bad relationship. That's like a drunk dad or something. Like, where's <laughs> drunk dad? Like, oh, I guess he taped something in Vegas that we can watch. That's not a good relationship. So a podcast says, hey, I'll meet you every Wednesday. I'll meet you every Friday. So now we have a relationship. So one of the potentials I see with NFTs, hopefully in success, would be a new way to participate in this relationship. You can be the owner of this piece. Because, you know, we watch autographs become photographs, right? It used to be, will you sign my autograph book? And now nobody wants an autograph. Even older people, nobody wants an autograph. They want a photograph. And maybe, and I'll leave this to the Philip K. Dicks out there, like, I don't know what the future is going to be, but there's a possibility that NFTs, I think, are going to play a part in that. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherited a condo and are renting it out. Or maybe you're getting paid in crypto and aren't sure how it's taxed. TurboTax Live can now match you with the right expert who has experience in your unique situation. They can answer all of your tax questions or can even take care of the whole filing process for you. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. I was thinking as you were talking about this experience of bringing together that intimate experience of sharing content via podcast. When I think of NFTs, if you are familiar with TikTok at all and how people, you'll have this original content and it basically gets forked into so many variations of the content. And now you have this like group that's identifiable of people that have interacted with the content and then made it their own. I'm curious how you would think if you could fork a joke, like if you could allow, you have your original NFT that's a joke. And you could let your fans run with it and create their own NFTs based off of it and then have their own like punchline or like twist it into a different direction. And, you know, because with blockchain, we could allow you to have that initial monetization and then the second, take the secondary and all the forks of your joke, but allowing your fan base to be a part of, you know, the craft. I'm curious, like, how does IP for joke telling work in that way? Well, you know, I've sort of had like a beta version of that in a very, very lo-fi way, meaning occasionally, and I'm usually very open about when this happens, sometimes a fan will yell something out. I had a joke. It was about how many days straight I am, meaning I'm a straight man, but I was talking about how sexuality is a spectrum, and that if I was on a desert island with Ryan Gosling, and it's very clear rescue isn't coming, 
I'd wait about 68 days. And that's pretty straight. I really prefer women. But let's be real, you're going to do it. (laughs) At a certain point, the last two people, it's going to happen. I'm going to wait 68 days. And then as I was doing that joke, I started telling this other joke. And I don't even remember what it was. But as I was telling it, someone in the audience yelled out like, 12 days or something. And I said to them, that's really funny. May I have that? It was after the show. I was like, that's really great. I met them. And of course, they were happy to do it. And, you know, we're seeing more comedians such as myself be honest about my wife. Valerie participates and writes jokes. I was just at a show where the Sklar brothers, they watched me and then they gave me, we call them tags. It's like little bits of a joke. And they gave me tags. So there is already, it's an illusion. Look, every comedian does 99% of what they do. But that 1% flavor is the difference of chili oil. It's a big difference. It might only be 1%, but chili oil is a pretty serious flavor. So the participation you get with your audience, because what are you doing anyway with an audience? You're telling the jokes and the way they laugh is shaping what stays, what goes, what works, what doesn't. Every set is a workshop. And sometimes when a joke doesn't work to save myself, I'll be like, you guys just killed that joke. Like you're the last audience that will hear that joke. And it's because you didn't laugh. How do you feel right now? You killed the joke. Like no one will ever hear that. I'll tell you what the joke is. I go, it's hard to know who's a Nazi these days. If I'm curious who's a Nazi, I'll go up to somebody and say, hey, finish this sentence. Heil blank. And it never worked. It never worked. And I thought it was so funny. Heil blank. And the last time I did it, I was like, that's it. It's gone. So it's already a participatory thing. Even if you're not getting literal lines and tags from an audience. Even Dave Chappelle is interpreting a certain amount of influence and a certain amount of feedback from the audience. And he would say the same. That's what the art form is. It's a collaborative art form disguised as a solely lone wolf art form. So, and I'm not that familiar with TikTok, but I know a little bit about it. If there was a joke, and I have jokes like this, I have a joke, it's so stupid, it won't even sound funny, but I like words that rhyme. So I'll say like, Pierce, get beers, Pierce, Pierce, get some beers. And listen to music, Pierce, tears for fears. And then people will tweet at me or they'll say to me in person, like they'll say, this is my impression of someone named Paul saying, let's go into a shopping center. And they just go, Paul, let's go to the mall, Paul. So it starts taking its own life. Meaning I discovered, if you can call that a discovery, that it's fun to find names that rhyme with things and yell it. That sounds so basic. (laughs) But then that really did become a thing. People started to go like, this is a guy named Steve telling a baby to like put some distance between it and its mother. Cleave, Steve, you got to cleave. Like The baby has to be named Steve in this case. So I've seen that potential of when the performer finds the blanks or finds the melody of something or finds the device or the mechanism And then the crowd runs with it. So in that way, I could see not only TikTok, but certainly NFTs blossoming and turning into some sort of tree of its own thing. And if that's not what the internet is for, I don't know what it is for. (laughs) So in this particular NFT, are you dropping it soon or has it already dropped? I don't think it's dropped yet. I don't no, if we have like a board meeting. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They can drop it whenever they want. What a hoot. I'm going to use the word hoot it will be 
for me and Beth Stelling and Maria Bamford and everybody that did this, if it drops and it's huge, you're going to see a lot of comedians knees to nose, just cut to and and rushing to do this. It'll be so funny. And I'm completely open to it. Again, that's the Bitcoin of it all. We don't know. If this ends up being huge, it would change the world. So while today I'm like, oh, I don't know when it drops. I don't know when the bidding starts. I don't know. If this is enormous, you're going to see me next time we talk being like, uh, it drops on September 1 at uh, 1 p.m. And this is the website because everybody's going to take it more seriously once it blows up. But right now I'm in the waiting room with a lot of other people. This certain performance, it's a recorded like event, something you are already doing that's a part of your normal act. Have you thought about moving into more of a virtual experience? Like in the future, let's say you continue down this path where you're recording content, you're making it more like with the NFTs and the assets, like have you thought that far down the rabbit hole or like where are you in your thought process of your craft plus NFTs? Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to try to answer your question, but when you say virtual, like the first thing that I think would work for virtual is what we're sort of already seeing on apps like Clubhouse, things where you can do essentially like virtual meet and greet. So like, I feel like the virtual space is really good for podcasts, stuff where like people are, there's a time to ask questions and engage. Obviously, I'm saying even if you have like full Avengers style avatars, like translucent avatars of your bodies that I can see, it's not that I'm skeptical. It's like stand up is so fragile. It's like doing surgery on a dolphin or something. And like you can lose the dolphin so quick. And as soon as like Wi-Fi or internet speeds are involved or like people in different time zones or the lack of tension, like right now there's less tension than if the three of us were in a room together. And I'm not saying bad tension, I'm saying there's mild tension here. Like if you guys started glazing over or looking at your phone, <laughs> I would only sort of be uncomfortable. But the live aspect of stand-up comedy runs on tension. That's what a setup is. It's like, I'm going to allow for a time of not funny to actually make you sort of worried that it won't be funny. And then part of the laughter is actually a release of relief and a release of that tension. It's an expression of relief. So that's why I didn't do any Zoom shows. I'm also, you know, that's a fortunate thing to not have to do Zoom shows, but I wasn't interested. It's sort of like playing guitar underwater or something. I can't be funny if you can turn me off. <laughs> I can't be funny if you feel completely comfortable to get up and go to the bathroom. I need you to sort of feel hostage at a comedy show. And that's why the best clubs, like the comedy cellar, right? It's a cellar. The first thing you think of a cellar is like sort of hard to get in and out. You have to duck your head reverently, like you're going into a chapel of comedy and you're stuck in there. Comedy is the feeling of being snowed in and there's no TV and there's no music. So one person stands up and says, I'll entertain you. That's what comedy is. It's a snowed in art form. And if you're just like not wearing pants and at any moment can bolt, I'm not hopeful for that. Meaning virtual reality stand up. Although I know there's already people doing it. I'm just going to be the old fogey that's like, that doesn't feel right to me. It just feels like a little bit off. It's like going to a McDonald's that's green and blue. 
it's supposed to be red and yellow. You know what I mean? It's just a little off. It might be pretty similar, but it's just a little off. It's very off to me. But if there were virtual shows that people could go to, and then now we're in an interesting area, they could own not just, say, my performance, they would own them. You know, it's an extreme version of buying the photo of you going down the log flume, right? But you could also be the only person that owns it. Could be interesting. That was a long answer. <laughs> Forgive me. You can also do, like, just on the aspect of the tension being live, you could allow people to buy a ticket to a virtual show, right? So the NFT and the metadata is just this ticket face. And then when the show is starting to be, like, you go live, now the live stream is actually coming through the NFT portal. So because of basically iframe support, you can stream live content. And so now the recording in real time is becoming the metadata of the NFT. So everything that's happening is going to be my moment of my NFT. And I don't know what it's going to be or how it's going to end. But then I could have captured this part of an interaction that I bought for I don't know how much money. Maybe it was a private show of 10 people. And then at the conclusion, I have this piece of our history. Yeah, that's interesting. I love the idea that the portal is the NFT, like access to the show, because you're hitting it on the head. Like all of show business is like, I have something in my hands. Would you like to see it? Like it has to be sort of like special, meaning we're really getting kind of philosophical here, but meaning is something we manufacture and specialness. You know, look at encores. Like when a band plays an encore, they're just standing in the wings. They're not going in, they're not really going to leave. It's theater, but we like it. And those songs are more special because we feel like we earn them with our clapping. So an NFT is sort of like clapping for an encore, but it might be something else. It might be money or it might be bidding in some other way. Whatever gets you through the night, you know, we're floating in space. So if something makes you feel special or feel involved or connected, I'm for it. Because again, we're floating in infinite blackness. I think what we need to do is figure out a way to lock people into the metaverse so they can't escape. Because what I learned here is that if you can escape, then it's not funny anymore, right? Yeah. So we need to trap people in the metaverse, right, to manufacture humor? I mean, 100%. That's where my brain went, too. And I'm like, there would just have to be maybe an agreement, like, once you're in, if you leave, you can't come back. And you know what that sounds like? That sounds like there's magic shows I've been to that have that heightened sense of like, once you leave, you can't come back. And what is that? That's ceremony. That's liturgy. That's literally something that mammals do to make things feel really, really special. And often it's that feeling of novelty that is the most entertaining part of the night. The magic might've been just so-so, but that feeling of like, we're a group and we're in this room and we can't leave. And if you leave, you can't come back. That's actually part of what you're paying for. It might seem rude, but it's actually a gift that they're giving you. So if there was something where it's like, you know, you can't talk like, or you're booted, like anything that gives it that sort of like, I don't need everybody wearing a robe and like bowing their head, like eyes wide shut, but I do need some stakes. Comedy is also like being trapped in an elevator with somebody or being in a car with somebody. You need to be like, I'm locked into this. That's why the people in the front rows have the best time because they know if they get up and go to the bathroom. At least the performer is going to notice, maybe not make fun of you, but they're going to notice and you're going to change the show a little bit because you got up and it's what a standing ovation is. It's like, I know you can see us. 
I think we can do this. We should revoke the access token, right? People think of NFTs as access tokens. So, you know, if somebody leaves or goes early, they have to forfeit their NFT. You know, I think this could actually happen. <laughs> what if it leads to just more distraction because now people with diarrhea don't want to sign off. So we have to like watch some weird avatar go and take a big dump. There has to be a poop token out there already. I'm almost certain of it. So maybe that's somehow you play your poop token and you can move on. What will be really interesting and it will really require, like, I think it's crazy that it's 2021 and we don't have the same level of intimacy that a landline telephone has. Like, this is pretty good. Zencaster is great. But like, that to me would be a genius idea. Something that even though people are disparate and separated by time and space, maybe not time, but they're separated by space, something that could create the tension of like, but we're all on this bus together. I don't know what it would be, but that would be when I would stop flying around and just do virtual shows, but it would have to give like a congealed, stuck feeling. But then another problem, and I'll talk about this all day, like part of the fun of a show is watching the guy who you know must behead chickens for a living because he's just needed a laugh so badly. And you're watching someone almost have an exorcism because they're laughing so hard. And then their laughter is contagious to you. And and you're laughing at the jokes, but you're also just laughing because you're in a group of people laughing. How do you manufacture that in real time? Certainly better Wi-Fi would be part of the answer. Thank you so much, Pete. I think we're at time. And from this conversation has been amazing learning about the craft, storytelling, all the way to Jason's idea of poop tokens. <laughs> <laughs> I really am excited to see where you can take this. It's neat that you are pioneering this new vertical, essentially, in the NFT space. Well, I got to hand it to the people that started at Brandon and everybody, but I'm happy to be along for the ride. Thanks. Of course. 